and welcome back to another episode of the Busted Header Podcast. I'm Chris, a.k.a. NotTheFakeWebby on Twitter, and I'll be joined as always by Jake, a.k.a. Halbertius, a.k.a. Hal. Uh, that's a lot of a.k.a.s. Uh, you have a lot of aliases. A little bit of catching up to do. Yep, we took a quick uh, break last week with it being about to go into All-Star break, and we had a lot, <laughs> both of us, going on in personal lives, um, so we didn't really have time to record. Um, but for this week, we're kind of looking at a little bit of the first half, just wrapping everything up, getting into the second half, and of course doing the three things we saw on each team um, before the All-Star break there. Um, but without further ado, let's jump in. Okay, so uh, first thing for me that I saw, I think uh, I was a little harsh early on on uh, Dennis Smith Jr.'s defense, mm. and he really settled in towards the end of uh the last two weeks or so uh really started getting more aggressive on the ball stopped sleeping quite as much off the ball um just generally became like a positive defensive presence uh which has actually been not the case for him for most of his career so uh really good to see that he kind of bought into that and and realized that he was going to stay on the floor if he did that so uh i think that's a pretty big positive I mean, coming out of the last couple of weeks, I think he's definitely got the physical characteristics to be like a halfway decent defender. He's quick. He's very, you know, he's quick on the ball. He's kind of lengthy, not incredibly big, but lengthy enough. Uh, to he has no something. wingspan to speak of. Does he not? No, no. He's like six oh. three with like a six three wingspan. Interesting. I assumed that I know he was like six two six three, but I assumed that he had a like a decent wingspan for his dunks. But no, no. I, I don't even think he's like a. I don't even know if he's a like an actual positive. He might be like a net neutral wingspan. Wow. Well, regardless, he still has the like physical attributes of, you know, speed, quickness, and can kind of get around enough to, to be a halfway decent defender. But yeah, nothing in his career up to this point has showed that he's going to be a plus defender. So, that's no. That's definitely a positive uh, uh, gain there. And, and he was like he was getting pretty handsy and like racking up some steals and stuff. So, mm-hmm. just generally pretty good because if if he's going to stay on the floor, especially when Killian comes back, if Killian comes back, um, yeah. Yeah, it'll be it'll it'll that's that's a, a thing that's going to earn you minutes if you can uh, play defense at a at a basic level. Yeah, especially play with this you. team, <laughs> it doesn't really have a whole lot of exterior defense, perimeter defense. So. No. Um, well, let me see. Well, I want to give shouts. I don't know if we had covered this too much uh, prior, uh, but Saban Lee has looked pretty pretty good in some extensive minutes. I feel like he's had a couple games. He went for like twenty points. Um, I thought he was a huge difference maker in the game against the Raptors that we won in the weirdest <laughs> blowout win I've had in a while. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I think he's the Tampa def- Bay Raptors. Yeah, the Tampa Bay Raptors. <laughs> I keep forgetting that they're in Tampa. The poor, poor, poor Raptors. It's uh, so weird. But, I mean, as a whole, I feel like he's been definitely kind of a bright spot in the season and someone who we felt like came into the season he seemed like he was going to be pretty raw didn't really know what we can get out of him but in the times where he's been called upon he's done pretty damn good so i want to give shouts to him and hopefully we can see more of that in the future yeah another guy who's really impressed uh with his defensive activity um i have here in my notes just kind of that he's got an it factor to him where he seems to really understand um and and, and be making kind of nba level what's the word like uh mature reads in certain situations like when guys are going under picks he's not just like losing the plot Mm -hmm. 
like some you know there are some guys uh you know Dennis Smith Jr. for example when he was a rookie especially where like you know you're a speed merchant and um you know people start going under screens on you and you can't just like drive and they just can't do anything and Saban's shown that he's like willing to give the ball up and relocate and do some cutting and just in general like he's he's showing that he can be part of a rotation and I had certainly no expectations coming into this and now I'm thinking you know I, I did a thing the other day looking at this team um you know just just putting a spreadsheet together of like what would we do in free agency you know this summer mm-hmm. uh, if we drafted various guys you know so if we draft Cade Cunningham it's like okay well then you have a a six eight point guard that can play the point he can play shooting guard he can play the three you know what do you do if you draft Jonathan Kaminga as a as a three four kind of guy you know what do you do if you draft uh Evan Mobley who's like a, a four five and it's just like it turns out that you know as long as Saban and Dennis are playing really well mm-hmm. you you don't really have a positional need anywhere on the roster you know at the, at this point the only thing we we're looking at in the summer is like you know replacing Rodney Magruder unless you want to keep him but you can probably find ah. a cheaper version but like <laughs> replacing Rodney Magruder is like the guy who plays like fourth string uh point guard and shooting guard together like the 14th and 15th roster spots mm-hmm. so um you know that's kind of been a revelation is that Saban's playing well enough that I'm just kind of counting on him to be the bench guard next year yeah, I think he's definitely got that position locked down by what he's shown so far this year. So hopefully, you know, he can keep it up and kind of see where, kind of explore his ceiling and see if he can even do a bit more than that. But so far, he's definitely shown to be pretty confident, you know, playmaker more than I was definitely expecting out of him. Uh, he just seems confident with the ball in his hands and, you know, he doesn't seem out of his element, which, especially for a rookie point guard, that's something that you usually see in the NBA, especially for someone in the second round, like a second round draft pick, so... I will take that every day <laughs> from that yep. pick. Um, let's see. So something I've got here, um, Jeremy Grant had a rest day and then mm-hmm. came back and looked awesome. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully they learned from that a little bit because he was struggling a little bit before he had that rest day. And um, we don't give a flying fuck about winning anything this year nope so it would be great if he doesn't play 36 minutes for the last 40 games of the season or however many are left Mm -hmm. um you know i've said this pretty repeatedly about the blake griffin situation but the thing you know the the lasting legacy of that for me is going to be how badly they managed his minutes and oh yeah definitely especially that year with casey that first year yeah i don't want to be in a position where Jeremy Grant's in game, you know, 69 this year and, you know, like, oh, he has an ACL sprain and then, like, his whole summer is ruined. I really don't want that. So just, like, making sure that he's got the rest, um, making sure that we're managing his minutes and he's playing 33, not 38 every night, you know, just doing the little things. Let's keep him healthy so that – we can enjoy him for the next two or three years. Yeah, it's like this season doesn't matter for the Pistons. Just like obviously he needs that experience being the number one guy in a team. He obviously hasn't had that up to this point in his career. Um, so it's kind of good to see that they're giving him that time. But they do also have to remember 
he's never had a workload like this. Um, no, in past year, never anything close to it. In, in past years, he's been like that first man off the bench or the last starter. Um, he has not gotten nearly this much responsibility on the offensive end. He's been primarily like a defensive player as well. So this is definitely a new role for Jeremy, so we've got to <laughs> make sure not to overwork him. And especially in a year that doesn't really matter that much, we don't need to you know, stress him and cause any additional injury concerns or long-term uh, concerns that might hurt us as a team going forward. Yeah, he, he's averaged um, close to more like 15, 1,600 minutes. Uh, 18, 19, he hit 2,600 um, and played, there's my, uh, per games. And also so he was playing 32 per, uh, 33 minutes per game in eighteen nineteen for OKC only played 27 ish per game last year. He's up to 36 now. Like we can trim that back just a little bit. Like if he ends the season on 2,500 minutes, that's plenty. Yep. And let's also not forget he played in the conference finals last year. Like he was yeah. on the Nuggets team that would that went pretty late in the year uh, in last year's playoffs. So we got to just make sure to give him a little bit of extra rest, and hopefully yeah. they remember that going forward because it has been kind of an issue in the past. Yeah, an, an excellent point there. Mm-hmm. What do you? What else you got? All right. So the next one um, that I want to cover, which I feel like is an obvious thing that we have to cover at some point, is that Blake Griffin has officially been bought out. And he yeah. will be playing uh, basketball this year on the Brooklyn Nets. So people are still weird. doesn't make any sense. What was that? So it's st- it still just doesn't make any sense to me. Like from obviously from like I want a ring perspective, I get that for Blake. I I don't understand it from the Nets and from like a basketball perspective, it doesn't really make any sense to me. But I mean, I think for the Nets, I don't know what their exact cap situation is, but I feel like he probably. They probably don't have a lot of maneuverability, so to get someone with the ceiling of someone like Blake Griffin, I, I mean, he kind of got to make that move. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know if you've listened to um, Nikias Duncan and uh, I want to say John Jones, and that's not right. Um, the uh, Steve Jones, Steve Jones Jr., um, uh, the Dunker Spot. Uh, they have a new podcast, and it's outstanding. Uh, Steve's uh, been in NBA front offices before, and Nikias is just one of the best blog writers around. But they they were talking about this the other day, and I, I echo a lot of their thoughts in that, like, I get the idea that, like, Blake might have a playoff series swinging game three, you know, and, like, Certainly there's upside for that. But at the same time, the things that they need are, like, rim protection. I mean, yeah. That is definitely <laughs> like, their biggest concern. But You know, I, you'd think that they'd be better served just by getting a rotational big man in there. You know, even if it's just a guy who can play a, f- a few minutes. Like, I just... I, um, I, th- I think Nikias said said it on that pod, but just, like... The one thing they definitely don't need is playmaking. I mean, no, <laughs> like, but the, you the can Nets never... have three dudes who all want to be thirty plus usage percent guys. the The whole like, well, Blake can go at the elbows and like, you know, maybe he can't shoot, but he can still do some playmaking out of the post. Like, he maybe Blake at the post unlocks, you know, uh, 
a, a reasonable offense. He hasn't even been good there this year. Um, but maybe he it, you get reasonable offense out of that. Reasonable offense is worse than having the best offense in the NBA, and they have the tools to be the best offense in the NBA. So, like, and I feel like this far they have been so far. I think, so, <laughs> but well, I, I just I think I think there are other teams like you know I I would have loved to see him in Portland. It was say Portland. I knew Portland was coming. I knew you, you know it. You know it. I know that was the like, first thing in your mouth. It's very obvious to me. Like Blake elevates that team because they don't have someone who does what he does. Yeah. He's in Brooklyn to win a ring. Like there's, exactly. there's just no, there's no basketball, and and so it's just like I, you know, I want to see, I want to see. Well, the ba- the basketball thing sound, of it. This is, is going to sound harsh, and I don't, I don't mean it like, but like I like to see guys earn uh, yep. the ring. Yep. And like I, it, I'm not saying that like I don't think Blake's going to deserve. It's just like, I, in order to best celebrate the story of Blake winning a ring. I want Blake to win a ring because he played like 18 valuable minutes a game for a team, not Blake to win a, a ring because he's playing, you know, one and a half minutes per game throughout a f- I don't a think he's going to be run. doing that. I Obviously, we got a lot to see yet with them. I don't see them playing him in serious minutes whatsoever. We'll see about that because there's not they don't really have a, a fully depth out team, especially after the trade for James Harden. So they kind of need players. Obviously, I don't think Blake was their biggest need. I think anyone could agree with that. But when you have an opportunity to get a player like Blake Griffin, you do it. Especially, I mean, he can space the floor. He can do a lot for that team. I think you're kind of discounting that. his shot returns because he can't space the floor if he keeps shooting the way he was. He's going to have a lot more space in Brooklyn than he was in Detroit. So I'm not <laughs> too overly concerned about space, that. space, but his, his issue, he was turning down wide open threes in Detroit because he was so, like, off. And it's just like, there are going to be times where it's like, okay, they are going to prefer, you know, the, there's like Jeff Green minutes and there's, um, Nicholas Claxton minutes. And like, I think for what they need, Nicholas Claxton is a better option than, yeah, I agree. Claxton is a better option, but he's not, but you can have them both. (laughs) You do realize that, right? Like they have them both on the roster. He can be on the roster again. It's just like he's not gonna play volume minutes. I don't think he's supposed to play volume minutes. I I I don't think they're looking for him. I don't think they're looking for him to be again. It's it's not that it's not that he is bad for the Nets. It's just that it feels like a waste because I mean, yeah, are gonna get you know ten percent of what he can do for Blake's talents. Yes, it's gonna be a waste. But I don't think Blake really cares where his his talents are gonna be most shown. I think everyone in the league knows what he's capable of. He wants the ring, and, you know, I'm here for that. He's he's worked hard in his career. It's time for him to go in a spot where he can earn that ring. So I'm okay with well, it from yeah, a Blake earn, perspective. Earning is the, the key there. I mean, he's still going to be on a title team. It's not like he's going to ride the bench. He's going to be playing for a title team. This isn't uh, like when I, the... I um, suspect that if he doesn't show serious improvement, he will spend most of that run riding the bench. But regardless, even if you have him running you know, riding the bench. He's another guy that you can bring in and he can get a big moment. You look at fucking Josh Smith when he went to the Rockets and had that big <laughs> series or big game against Blake's Clippers. Like, when when you have a player with that level of basketball play, even if they're not at it at the moment, if, they, if you can get that for a quarter or a half or, you know, one game, that can change an entire series. And that's why it's important for the Nets. Sure, he can be better. He'll be in a better basketball situation for him on the Trailblazers. But him and the Trailblazers 
their ceiling is like a conference finals and likely just winning the first round game. So how dare you disrespect Dame like that? How dare you? Trust me, I love Dame and I would love to see him make a run, but I can't see him. I mean, obviously we'll see where things shake out, but he would probably have to beat the Lakers and the Clippers, and I don't think that's happening. Da- Damian Lillard and the people we play cro- plo- and the people we play pro clubs with makes a conference finals team r- right now. That's how insane he's been. I mean, I love Dame. I love Dame with all my heart, but it's not <laughs> Dame. You and me. He just dr- he just dr- uh, dribbles to like the the center court and just heaves and like earns like 1.1 points per possession on those shots and we win anyway that's uh, he's he's obscene i mean he's obscene but he, there's Dave some other good teams the in the West. game with like a 40 foot heat. oh yeah that just, was wild just, just to like say fuck you is the best i love that i love that so much for us i love the one i i know we had the set in the discord but <laughs> it was an untimed untimed quarter and it was still dame time yeah. That was the perfect way to describe that shot. <laughs> time is not a factor, and he still made Dame Time a thing. Okay, well that got us way off track. Um, speaking speaking of the Discord, friend of the program Parks is in the Discord currently posting pictures of Killian Hayes looking fly, going asking me who this guy is. <laughs> we need to explain who to is him this fly looking guy. <laughs> he did it earlier in the season too. Yep, he has. He's done he sent us a message of, Kill- of Killian like in preseason. Like, who is this dude, and why is he so well dressed? <laughs> it's because he's French. <laughs> exactly. Oh, all right. I think you are up. Uh, I think it's my turn. Um, so a uh, little negative here. Josh Jackson kind of uh, regressing a bit for me. Um, a little bit, yeah. Shots been really inconsistent. He's starting to take a lot more bad shots and just force things. The tunnel vision's getting pretty significant. Um, even the transition stuff he was doing earlier in the year, he's like looked off some guys recently. Just in general, um, like it's still he's still clearly like an nba guy and like he's he's revitalized his career here and that's great but um there was a point in time earlier in the season when i i was like and i think a lot of people were like wow we found a shooting guard of the future just like out of nowhere (laughs) um and like now it's like okay i don't like he's coming in as the sixth man and scoring 20 points and i feel like he's hurting the team Mm -hmm. because like he's scoring 20 points on 11 shots and you know, missing open passes in transition. Just like I, I need him, and hopefully the coaching staff. Like I need them to just all kind of focus him back in on on the winning basketball stuff, because clearly he's got all the talent in the world to be a, an impact guy all over the floor. And like the tunnel vision is not an issue with him lacking the ability to see the play, because we know he's a really good passer when he wants to be. So it's just. Uh, making sure he's changing gears and, and refocusing back in on, on playing the right way. Yeah, this is something that I'm nervous. Excuse me, that's something I was nervous about uh, when we signed Josh was that I knew we were going to be a bad team, and he seems like one of those players that needs to be on a team that like keeps him focused and like keeps him energized and keeps him in the game. Otherwise, he can kind of you know drift and wander out of out of games like this. And and you know as the Pistons continue to lose guys like Blake Griffin, like Derrick Rose. And it becomes a lot more of the kind of the youngsters, and they look upon probably him to, you know, lead the show a little bit. Uh, it does kind of make me nervous in his development and to kind of see where he's at. So, 
Um, it'll be a pretty good test, I think, in the second half of this year as the Pistons continue to you know, not be a <laughs> good team. Um, and he's going to have a lot of these minutes where he's going to have a lot expected on him that he hasn't had in a long time. And it'll be a good test to see, you know, is he ready to be on a good team? If he can keep that attention span, can kind of keep in the game, keep, you know, like you said, moving those gears um, while he's on a bad team. So it'll be something to look forward to here in the second half of the year. Yep. You got anything else for us? So I got uh, one last one. Um, so it is back to being Wayne's world and we are all living in it. <laughs> My man went toasty against the Raptors, put up 25 points, <laughs> pretty much all from the three point line. <laughs> and he's put together a couple good stretches here. The last couple games, uh, going into the break with, of course, getting a couple extra minutes with Josh Jackson out and I forget who else we had out as well, but, uh, I know Josh especially was out for an illness for a couple of games. So. Uh, Wayne's getting more minutes, still proving that he's an NBA player, proving me wrong from the beginning of the year. Um, so I'm happy to see that, and, you know, I'll take anything we can get out of him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I still don't really know. I Like, I have no idea what his trade value is. Um, yep. Because I, I just can't see anyone giving up a first for him, and I can't see any... Like a contender's second is just not very valuable. So that I mean, I mean, there's we'll second see. round picks it's have been sent around this league so many times. Like there could be a contender that has a pretty decent second round pick that might be willing to offer that, or yeah, who knows? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if somebody's like, oh, the Lakers are offering the Lakers pick, it's like, cool. I don't, I don't want the 59th pick. I, I don't care. I mean, um, I, I can buy that for a million dollars. You can, but uh, you can also sell that for a million dollars. I I guess, but like. That's not my money, and I don't care how we spend that. I mean, I agree, uh, <laughs> but what what exactly is Wayne doing right now? So it's, it's it's more. I want to see Wayne go things. to a team where he can actually like, you know, get a get a chance for a ring, kind of compete for a title. So if that opportunity is there, I'd like to see them go after it, even if it's not for the biggest return, just to kind of give him that chance because he's played I really guess. well this year. I also just kind of like what he's. I think he's a valuable locker room guy, and I I I kind of don't want. Um. It's the same with Plumley, who I don't think is um, on the block. Uh, uh, we no. can talk a bit here um, about Troy Weaver's interview. I don't know if you saw that, but like with with Wayne, it's kind of like if you can't get a pick between like better than like forty fifth, I don't think I bother trading him just because like I think the locker room value is better than that. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I agree. And I think that's kind of the the one uh, big point against trading him was what he can bring to the locker room, especially for, you know, a Josh Jackson or any of the other various rookies and young guys we have, right. like and Dennis Smith Jr. It's the same with, like, DeLon Wright. Like, I just, you know, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, trade DeLon for, like, a, a second or two. And it's like, okay, but... I think DeLon can fetch a little bit more. So that's why DeLon especially... I'd, well, I'd right. It's like, on. okay, if, if, you know, if somebody's offering you the 28th pick for DeLon Wright, all right, let's, let's talk. If it's like, oh, you get two seconds, you know, and one of them's like a really bad second or like a really far, like a 2024, like, you know what, I'll just, I'll wait till next year. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of like having a senior guard around. Which DeLon's still on a contract, um, right? He's still... He's yeah, he'll him. be here next year. Uh, but uh, I think I Wayne, think especially like being on that eight million next year, yeah, yeah. Wayne's obviously uh, just on a minimum for the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, so that touched on 
uh, Troy Weaver's interview. Um, I don't I don't know if this was with every media member or just James Edwards. I didn't. Um, I didn't catch. Okay, yeah, it was just it was all the media. I just I was reading James's wrap up <laughs> of it, which we appreciate um, James. So that would make sense. Yeah, love James. Uh, love all of our beat guys. Mm-hmm. It was, we say it all the time. We're spoiled as hell. Yeah, it's um, insane the talent we got there. It's so, like it's like the inverse of the actual Pistons roster is our beat writer talent. It's <laughs> just stacked from top to bottom. Yeah, championships, um, champions, all of them. So just some notable things. Uh, he mentioned that uh, Mason Plumley was Dwayne Casey's guy. Like Dwayne Casey stomped to bring in Plumley, and I think it's it's just like so obvious why. In hindsight, like I I was telling you at when we signed him, what I thought he was going to provide was that kind of structure and and being the coach's uh, guy and and all that and being a fr- uh, a help to the young guards and I think we've seen all that and I just think it's it's uh, interesting that it was like Dwayne Casey wanted this guy. And, uh, you know, and, and he says, uh, if I can find this particular bit, um, you know, he, he just said, we had a lot of talks about Mason before we signed him, uh, but Casey was really beating the drum for him. So, hmm. uh, just kind of an interesting commentary there on, on how coaches feel about what, uh, Mason Plumley brings, um, little comment here about Seku Dumbia just basically saying, you know, uh, that Seku had a clean slate when Troy arrived and Troy's motto is patience, patience, patience. So <laughs> Which is what Seku there's needs. that. Um, exactly. Um, you know, a comment here, there are no untouchables, but he doesn't expect certain people to move, which I think everyone expected. Um, yeah, you know, he, he was like, "If you offer me four first round picks, I'll have to think about just about anything." But uh, yeah, I don't think anything uh, on, anyone on this team is necessarily nailed down. But I don't see us moving someone like a Killian Hayes or a, you know a Seku or especially like right. Sadiq Bay. Like I, I don't see right. them moving unless you're really throwing something at us. So there are two really big highlights. Mm-hmm. First, uh, Killian Hayes. We are due for an update next week. Uh, it sounds like he's back in practice. He traveled with the team right before they uh, they did stuff. He's not working in practice with the team, but like he's doing some light work. I think it's what James Edwards tweeted earlier today. Um, you know, he's shooting a little bit, etc. Um, so Troy just said, like, yeah, he confirmed that next week we should get an update and that he's progressing well. Um, I think I saw Laz tweet earlier today that like Killian started posting things on Instagram again so like just Mm. in general we're ramping back up hopefully we get to see him for 30 games to end the season um just nice to hear that like yes things are on schedule but then did you see the quote the quote um I did not I've been kind of off Twitter recently okay so uh so in his press conference earlier in the conference he says something about uh restoring the team and he was asked, why do you use the word restore rather than rebuild? And he goes, uh, it's funny. When I was going through the process of coming here to Detroit, my dad used to collect older cars. He had a 1966 Monte Carlo that he was restoring. 
before he passed, I would go out there and talk with him, and he said, you can only restore something that's great. Hmm. And he said, there's greatness in Detroit. Three oh, championships. Yeah. That's why I wanted to to be here. Uh, that's why I wanted to use that phrase. No slight to what I'm about to say, but the Timberwolves can't restore. They don't have three championships. <laughs> they don't have the greatness. The Hawks can't restore. The <laughs> Pistons can restore. We want to restore greatness back in the franchise. There's a blueprint of success here. Um, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. I know what works here. Woo! We're trying to be the third iteration of greatness. Woo! That's a banger. <laughs> he worked on that quote for a minute. He was that, that was not off the top of the head. He had been putting the, that the, one together since the, the Timberwolves can't restore they don't have three championships is a line. He's I'm not wrong. T shirt. <laughs> I am working actively right now on finding a person to print me T shirts. Somewhere Trey That's Young was really banger. upset when he heard that. <laughs> wow. Oh, that was a good one. He's not that was like wrong. Multiple multiple beat writers tweet that tweeted that out, and like those were definitely the highest traffic tweets of the day. I'm sure he gave them the exact a lot of national people just like coming into that, being like, "Excuse you, like what? What now? I write for the Hawks, and are you sure you want to say that? It's like you're damn right." Uh, the poor Hawks. What have they done to deserve that? <laughs> the Wolves <laughs> the just catching cannonballs. <laughs> catching strays out of the, the other the side Hawks of the Hawks have some league. history. The Wolves are like, we had Kevin Garnett and we wasted him. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's our history. <laughs> Hawks had some good teams, I feel like, at some point in time before you know, I paid oh, yeah. attention to basketball. The Hawks have been good for, for years. They don't, they don't have the titles, but they had the, the Maravich years and the... Uh, 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 um, uh, Ooh, uh, the Wilkins years. Thank the you. Years and, um, <laughs> yeah, they, they had stuff. Yep. All right. You got <laughs> things you want to see okay. coming for? I do have a couple things. So I kind of did it more um, as we, of course, Elster break is over. The first half of the season is over. So I'm kind of looking at the second half of the year. Um, so the first thing I want to see, which you kind of touched on um, during your monologue there, um, is that I want to see a healthy Killian. And I kind of want to yeah, see what he can do. Great. <laughs> Of course, this is going to be a big if. There's a lot of, you know, question marks surrounding him. But based on uh, our <laughs> reporting from our own uh, parks, it looks like he's feeling good. He's got <laughs> he looks fly. <laughs> he's at least got some great outfits planned. So he's <laughs> he's had some time to work with them. Um, Look, this three tone jacket he's wearing is great. Everything about his outfit is great. Which I mean, we should expect <laughs> as much. Uh, but I just hope to see him out of basketball court. You know, with this team. Get into play with, you know, Sadiq Bey, Seku Dumbuya. Wow, I almost, almost slipped up there. And mm-hmm. just kind of get that opportunity to get back in the feel of things and kind of get used to the NBA because if he doesn't play for the, for the rest of this year, that is going to be very unfortunate. You have a whole season where he's not really getting up to speed of the NBA game. And even if you miss most of the year with an injury but still comes back towards the end and gets a chance to get used to that speed and kind of get kind of see that game pace in person and, like, on the court... I think that means a lot more than, you know, just kind of watching it on film and just being around the team. Like, being on the floor makes such a difference. So, I, I really hope that he gets a chance and is healthy enough to play. I just don't want them to rush him back, but at the same time, if he is yeah. healthy, I want to see him on that court. Yeah. Would you play him at shooting guard in order to keep Dennis and Saban uh, playing point minutes? I mean, I think in today's NBA, that's not too much of a problem. Killian, I think, has the ability to play off ball and 
for all we know, he might be a better off-ball player. Like, he's, he's big enough. I think he can definitely defend the two um, around them, especially against most of the players in today's NBA. So I don't see any reason why at least not to try it. So I'm, Yeah, that's my thought is I, I would just be kind of letting him come in at the two since that's a, a spot, especially with, if DeLon's not um, mm-hmm. 100% if not yet either. Seems like an easy way to, to kind of work both guys back into the rotation for 15 minutes a night. Yep, just give him the opportunity. See what happens. Why not? Yep. Um, let's see here. Uh, did you see that Big Ben is a finalist? Yes, for the Hall I of Fame? did. I did see that. So I would like to see Big Ben in the motherfucking Hall of Fame. Agreed. Because Big Ben is a Hall of Famer. Uh, I I know you don't have the same ties to him that I do, but I would also like to see Chris Webber in the Hall of Fame because he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, <laughs> I'd also like to see Chauncey Billups in the Hall of Fame. He wasn't eligible, or he wasn't uh, like a finalist this year, but like he's a Hall of Famer. This isn't hard. Put guys in the Hall of Fame. They're famous. So you're gonna get a little bit of a more, I'd say, unexpected take than what you expected here. Um, so it's kind of shocking to me that Chris Webber is not in the Hall of Fame yet. He's such kind That's of an bullshit. influential player for not just, of course, the NBA, but the college game, of course, as well, as I'm sure all Michigan fans know. Uh, but as a whole, it's just kind of just surprising to me that he's not in, especially with all the work he does on TNT right now. Like, he's he's still around the game. It's not like he's someone who's kind of disappeared off into the wilderness. It's it's literally all because of the, the scandal. That's yeah. It. It's the only reason he's not in. And I mean, we're he, talking about a dude who won like three state state championships in uh, uh, high school. Mm-hmm. Went to Michigan, was part of the most famous college team of all time. Then went to mm-hmm. um, the pros and had like a really good pro career. And then went into broadcasting and has had a successful. I mean, cough. I don't really enjoy him, but yeah, I don't enjoy listening to broadcast it. career. He's not my favorite like, announcer. He's a Hall of Famer. It's not a question. And by the way, maybe I'd say probably Kevin Garnett maybe tops him, but arguably the like the highest potential power forward we've ever seen. I think that might be part <laughs> of what's weighing him down is that people saw his potential and saw you know the ceiling that is <laughs> at the roof. It's as far as you can go. And kind of he didn't live up to that expectation that he never really found the right situation. So I think people kind of take that against him. But, I mean, based on everyone else they've let into the Hall of Fame, he's definitely a Hall of Famer. So And, I mean, that's always been my hot take. It's a Hall of Fame. not the. It's not the Hall of the five best players who retired in the same year for some stupid fucking reason. It's the Hall of Fame. If you're famous and you were important, you should be in it. Like, is Chauncey Billups as good as Magic Johnson? No. Was Chauncey Billups one of the most iconic figures of the 2000s? Yes. Should there be a section and a plaque that says this dude went to the Eastern or to the conference finals eight straight years? Yeah, there should be. You're really good. Go to the Hall of Like, that's what the Hall of Fame should be about. It should be about people being able to walk through the history of your league and learn about it. And people who were important to that should be in it. I think Robert Horry should be in the Hall of Fame. Eh, we'll give him his own little section. <laughs> like, but here's the like, everyone Big Rob deserves the Hall of Fame. Yes, I do. Pe- agree. People act like the Hall of Fame should be this this uh, uh, like paragon. Like you can, like, but like, guess what? Fifty years from now, the Hall of Fame is going to include hundreds of people. 
It's going like, to include you know, people, people are like, well, we can't bloat the Hall of Fame with all these people. And it's like, yes, you can, because time happens. Eventually, you're going to have these people in here. So let's build a system so that the Hall of Fame does what it's supposed to do and tells a story instead of just, you know, idolizing a few select people. Because that's not really what the sport's about. I mean, as somebody who's listened to Bill Simmons for God knows how many years, <laughs> I am well aware of the kind of deficiencies with the NBA Hall of Fame. And I agree, and I think we could talk about this all day. Uh, but yeah, some of the some of the people that are in, some of the people that are out just don't make any sense to me. And like, someone yeah, like Chris Webber, I mean, it's like, he's what, got his, what's going on? Bill's got his famous like pyramid idea, and it's like, you know what? We don't need to just restrict it to like the first-level pyramid guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, there's a bunch like, of great it, players. I, certain, I'm, yeah. I'm very pro-pyramid in that, like, you know what? The people who, like, fans remember are often, like, the third and fourth tier pyramid guys. Mm-hmm. Like, Robert Ori is a great example of just, like, was he the best player on any of his teams? No, he was, like, the fourth best player. But he was really important. And, like, all of the highlights from so many of the championships he was a part of are Robert Ori sinking the clutchest shots. That means something. Yeah. That's a story that we should tell. There are a lot of fan bases that have very complex decision or feelings towards <laughs> and Robert Ory. Pistons fan. Yeah, <laughs> we're two Pistons fans coming here and saying that. <laughs> oh, all, all right. right. Something else from you? Yep. So my other thing, which I think kind of goes in line with the first thing, was I want to see Seku get into a rhythm. Kind of find a little bit of time. Um, Coming into the break, I think he was just kind of getting some more minutes, getting kind of a little bit of a run of it. Started to feel a little more comfortable like he did, uh, you know, in the mid, uh, the middle of last year when he kind of got an extended amount of time. So hopefully we can find some ways to get him on the floor, get him some more minutes. And then towards the second half of the year, he kind of gets more comfortable in the NBA game and is ready to be an important rotation player coming into his third year because third year is usually kind of the make-or-break year. Uh, for a lot of young players, of course, with that contract, you know, really on the line at that I mean, point, yeah, you got you got to make sure the team picks up your fourth year. Mm-hmm. That's that's the goal. You got to get that contract. Um, what's it? you got to get the option picked up. And then, as far as the teams go, the third year is when you know a player really kind of starts to mold into the player you want him to be, or you can see that he's going to be stuck where he's at and isn't worthy of that fourth year or an extension. So, Seku, of course, we knew he was going to be very raw coming in. It was a gamble. It hasn't paid off so far, um, but I still think he has all the talent in the world, and I hope that he gets a chance to show that uh, towards the end of this year and then going into next year. So, Yeah, I, I want to see him at the 5 again. I thought that was his best game. That was, was the fun. one where he played at the 5. Um, I know that the rotation's a little cloudy there because – or uh, crowded, I should say. Let's <laughs> um, have a chance to meet balls. The Well, the just the, the, the pathway to getting those minutes is the, is the thing that's cloudy, but like yeah. – uh, I have here in my notes, roll, 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 roll. Uh, and I spelled it with an with two L's twice and L-E twice because <laughs> like, he just needs a really defined role in the game. I think when he is the guy who is rolling off screens, um, you know, it just unlocks so many things for him. You know, he just needs to be in an extremely defined environment, you know, uh, He's had a chance to experiment a little bit, and it's like it's time very clearly for me to put him in a box. Mm-hmm. And you know, you play within the box, do the things, these exact things every game. You know, let's build 
your feeling for the game. You know, every time you're in this situation, we want you to do this. And you know what? If it doesn't work, fine. You did the right thing, and we'll build from there. Because he's just... We've said this on multiple pods, and and I know I've tweeted, like, he hasn't played as much basketball as you probably think he's played. Yeah, no, he really he's hasn't. thousands point. of minutes behind where other people his age are because he started so late. So you can't, you can't play him and assume that he's going to just read and react and understand all these things and that he's just going to figure it out. He needs to be coached, and I don't think you can... I don't think you can play him the same way that you could like a Brandon Ingram. Like Brandon Ingram just kind of experimented his way into being a really good player because he'd been playing AAU ball for years and, and just kind of, you know, had that in his bag. Mm-hmm. Seku doesn't, and so we I think, you know, and I, th- I think Dwayne Casey has been a little better about that of late, but just like let's, let's continue to refine that role so that he always knows what he's doing because knowing what you're doing is – like 90% of being successful in sports. Yep. All right. Um, yeah, what? Let's see. Uh, the last thing on my list that I want to see is I've got this GIF in my, in my like, drafts <laughs> that just says, Saban, kill the guy. And I just want to see Saban put down one of these dunks. Can we get that? We, we, just, need, we need a couple of those. <laughs> just, just one of these. I need him to baptize somebody. I want it to, like, draw blood. Uh, just, like... This Saban team does have a guy. lot of players just... that could do that. <laughs> like between, I, I want that to happen. Between Saban, like, of course, uh, Dennis Smith Jr., he can get up. I will edit that gif to say Seku killed a guy as well. Totally willing to do that. Mm-hmm. I would I would love to say that. All right. My one last thing, which we already kind of touched on, I feel like, a lot, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. Uh, but I do want to see us get some draft capital by clearing out some of the Kind of the Deadwood, kind of the veterans that aren't going to be here much longer. Just see if we can get anything out of them. I know we touched on that a lot earlier, uh, specifically with Wayne Ellington. Um, but I'm sure, you know, <laughs> the Grim Reaper, uh, Troy Weaver, has uh, has kind of decided who's going to be in those long-term plans and who's not going to be. And I want to see if he can continue how active he was, you know, uh, in the off season and earlier in this year. Uh, moving on from Rose, moving on from Blake. And I want to see if he can continue that on with some of these other guys that, you know, we're probably not going to need past this one year. So uh, that's kind of the last thing that I kind of want to see out of the front office um, as we head into the end of the year slash off season. Cool. All right. Um, I think at this point, moving forwards, maybe we'll try and do some like draft stuff sprinkled in here. Mm-hmm. Um college seasons are wrapping up i'm starting to like write some actual final pieces so maybe we'll like add a prospect of the week section or something just to so we don't have to do like one pod covering 80 people yep um i need some time to drool over cade <laughs> yeah there, there was that like 40 point game he had the other day and it was like okay it's like i a, need a moment i'm not entirely <laughs> sold on him as a prospect in the nba game but boy do i like what i see out of him so far what what are you not sold about? I'm just uh, I don't know if it's just more like the team he's with or kind of the scenario yeah, I he's need, in. I need I need you to understand that Oklahoma State yeah. is one of the worst coached teams I have ever watched at any level. Mm-hmm. I think definitely talent wise he's bad. He's all he's got he ticks all the boxes. I'm just 
I don't know. It's just kind of hard to really, I get, I guess, get a full evaluation on someone it's, on a it's team the, that's that it's bad. It's the same feeling you get, you got when you watched Ben Simmons in college, and you were like, "Is he good? Is LSU good?" And it was like, "Oh, right, LSU is horrific, and Ben Simmons is really, really good." Yeah. Yeah, Ben Simmons. I yeah. felt like it. As, it as shown soon as through. I saw like, that you could tell was going to finish the season shooting forty percent from three, I was like, "Oh, oh, that boy's <laughs> special. It's okay. I do, nothing else matters. He can shoot now." <laughs> yeah, as far as I'm concerned, he's the only guy on my board. I want. I think he's definitely got everything that you like. Every scout would drool about. So, I think he's definitely the one I want. But I'm not. I'm. I don't think he's the top tier like prized apple that you know, like a Zion Williamson was. So. Uh, I disagree with you there. But we can get into that on another pod. Exactly. We'll play time to talk about a little, it. A little sneak peek. In the second half of the year. So, All right. So we hope to see you guys again next week. Uh, thank you for listening. So, bye. bye. Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.